live. We are here with Ray Rampage Smith. How are you, buddy? Very well. How are you? Good. Good. How'd you get the name Rampage? Uh, used to be, um, still is, but um, essentially it's my DJ name. So my um, I, I worked in the music industry for quite some okay. time, and I DJ right. uh, Ray Rampage. Yeah, I saw your pictures actually. I think on your profile that. So it's like a pseudonym that I haven't really sort of shaken, but uh, hey, it makes me stand out, and that's what we need to do when we're marketeers, right? Yeah, I I always think of that big green dinosaur. Like, is it Rampage something? You know that? Oh, what is that? Was used that to be a, vi a video that game or something? The computer game to smash the buildings. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what was it? What was that called? Do you remember? It's called Rampage. Yeah. I didn't um, uh, the Rock do something? called the rampage recently a movie i think yeah i think so i think so i just remember that video game that's the thing that's yeah, cool up to me. so all right we will get people in here and then we will get uh going wait for a few people to get in here and you are in the uk is that correct yeah, yeah, just that, just outside of London. All right, so I'm gonna bring this up on my other screen so we can look at the questions when they come in. If you guys can hear us, just go ahead and comment that our audio is good. Just so we know we are passing properly. Haven't had much trouble. Lilani, can you hear us good? I'll give some updates kind of on the uh, ad leaks front as we're waiting to for a few more people to come in. Uh, the new um, membership uh, thing has gone live. We started the application process. We're now uh, letting people into the groups. So uh, you do have to go through the phone interview. Um, so if you do sign up through join, join uh be on the watch out for an email. Uh, to set up your phone interview and then you'll go through a series of questions and then we will basically uh, place you based on your knowledge and skill set in the corresponding groups so uh, that has started uh, ad leaks meetup went really really well for everyone that went to that uh, we're probably going to be hopefully looking at doing another one soon a very good overwhelming response uh, so be on the lookout for that as well uh, we'll go ahead and get started. We got about 20 people in here. So, uh, hey, how's it going, Israel? Uh, tell us a little bit, Rampage. I know you've been in Ad Leaks for how long now? Quite some time, uh, I think. Uh, Ad Leaks since it started. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, so you've been, you're one of the OGs from the beginning time. Tell right. us a little bit, because I know I've seen you post in there. I've never actually talked to you outside of, and this is the first time I've actually ever seen your face. So, Tell us a little bit about you and kind of what you do and how you got started into the uh, marketing space. By the way, you were one of the re most requested. You were like top, I think out of like the top 10 or 15, you were like top three or something. So a lot of people actually didn't want to actually hear from you. So that's why this, how this interview did come about. So cool. Um, so yeah, um, marketing sort of started off me through music essentially. So I used to run it, um, small events during the week in my old hometown so i was promoting events when i was like in my 20s so i used to what kind of events uh drum and bass 
events. So the, the sort of music drum bass very when it was in its infancy and it wasn't really uh it wasn't commercial and it wasn't viable and clubs didn't really want to touch you touch you so we had to do sort of stuff in a week so uh -huh. I, put, I put an event on a week on a wednesday and sold out the club uh, on one day with a big queue around a block and the club owners were really really happy and so that was all sort of my very sort of first touch point with marketing obviously doing fire posters posters on the wall and this was before this was before myspace this was very like <laughs> marketing was uh literally tv radio and um and print in newspapers you know mm -hmm. so uh, i started out very very young um before the internet was really a thing when internet was a thing uh, i would connect via dial-up uh so um yeah it's changed a lot so um fast track i had i kept on an ongoing relationship uh with um a uh, label manager i used to book their artists quite a lot um essentially it was just blagging music and trying to get promos and get them to be able to play the shows and stuff so i had a very good relationship with them then myspace come around and i got really good at like hacking myspace looking at the html and remember when you could like uh design the banners at the top and mm -hmm. background images i got really good at doing that and they saw how good I was doing my own profile and asked me to manage this and uh, paid me like a hundred pound a month. To, Isn't uh, MySpace still around even? I think it is, yeah. I haven't checked it for quite some time. Uh, I think- Does anybody use it? I don't think so. I know that they had a lot of data there and they were using like uh, DSPs to be able to target that data. But um, yes, it's a, it's a graveyard, right? <laughs> the only thing I remember on MySpace is Tom. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's, he's quite a happy person now. He's he's got out uh, really early on, didn't he? I think he definitely made the right choice. I wonder how much he made. I think he, yeah, I think he got it for millions. I think he did quite well. Yeah, it was sixty million. Wow. Oh, that's what the net worth says: sixty million. Oh, crazy. Yeah, he definitely made the right decision. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, got really good at doing that. Got really good at updating their MySpace, and uh, I uh, I was a paint decorator at the time always in and out between jobs um could never get paid properly on time and i, I reached out to the owner of the record label where i was updating the myspace and i said i'd love to come and work for you guys and they're like oh if you lived up in essex uh we'd take you on in an instance and i was like well i'm gonna look i'm gonna make that happen so um i i rang up a state agent uh got the train i didn't drive at the time and me and my uh, fiance got the train and it was like a half hour journey for us mm -hmm. to get there. And then we looked at six properties and on the sixth one um, found our property and, and essentially put down the down payment and then moved in. And then I started the job a, a, um, a month later and I become I started as their sort of interim digital coordinator and okay. literally just updating uh, Facebook pages. I actually made their Facebook page for them. Um, when when Facebook was first about and we just updating it um, ta like just in the status updates of when releases were out when artists were playing and uh, cool. that sort of grew like so organic social and uh, this was when you was basically just able to do right hand column ads there weren't wasn't even any feed ads so um, it was very much the music industry is quite vain and, and works on vanity metrics and uh, artists really cared and brands really care about how many followers they had so uh, i used to do a lot of light campaigns and uh that's how we kind of got awareness 
But yeah, that's my sort of like first sort of cutting point and touch point for uh, working on Facebook as a platform. Huh. Okay. Interesting. Very interesting. So you primarily are Facebook and Instagram, correct? Like you don't run any other traffic sources? No. So when I was at the label, I started off very sort of uh, junior, uh, didn't really know much. I, uh, but I learned, while I was there, I learned the YouTube platform. I would do pre-roll um, in video ads, uh, display ads, um, and then Facebook as it grew, I was doing more there. Then I'd work with third-party companies. I did press when I was there and worked with press agents, worked with big media agencies and did advertising campaigns. So cool. I got a sort of 360 approach from understanding yep. media. Okay. I was there for about six years and then got passed up for a, um, a higher management position and decided that it was time for me to move on and uh, grow elsewhere and then took some time out and then a advertising job come up uh, a job listing come up for a media agency in Essex which was for their paid social media specialist and that's when I went and then there, uh, there got the, uh, got the interview and uh, okay. yeah I cool. uh, got the job and I was there for about 18 months now okay. the um, a lot more like and uh, the role more analytically so like using the pixel setting up audiences um, yeah, and uh, I, working with e-commerce clients, lead, lead gen clients, uh-huh. double glazing to um, e-com selling clothing. Uh, okay. So tell us a little bit. So you're doing primarily Facebook, uh, mainly e-com. What is, like, what's your, what kind of spend are you, I know we talked a little bit about this, but let's just kind of, so people can kind of understand your knowledge and skill set. What kind of spend are you working with on like a monthly basis on average if you had to kind of like guess? Um, hundreds of thousands. Um, I During Q4, I was doing like 1.5 million. Like spend. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So and, like, anyway. cool. and that's across multiple multiple brands? Yeah, yeah. So uh, during Q4, yeah, I was working for um, clients within the um, home, homeware niche and uh, within the fitness niches, yeah. Okay, okay. So what is like your um obviously cbo got kind of pushed back uh the release date for some accounts from like september to february which tim was kind of anticipating how is kind of tell us a little bit about cbo and your testing and how you massive massive hate i love hate relationship with cbo sometimes <laughs> I can't work. other times you don't get doesn't work i actually get more stability by just doing single ad sets from one of you and uh I find that they, if you try and intervene with them and turn stuff off, it just, just seems like even more unstability. So um, it's really hard because I think it's very important as a marketeer to question the unquestionable and to do what you don't normally do. And mm-hmm. it doesn't give you that flexibility to do that. It just, every time I go near it, I always get burned, <laughs> if I'm honest with you. So, and how are like and how are you getting how are you getting burned? Is it from like spending too? Like a lot of people complain, and I really haven't seen the problem. But most people complain that like it blows their money. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I've seen uh, I've seen it blow money from like it will get to mid um, midnight the next day, and then within fifteen minutes, twenty minutes, it's done a quarter of your budget for the day within like instantly. And you'll reach out to Facebook and I t- and I say, look, this, this to me is clearly a pacing issue. They're like, no, it's not. It's finding. It's finding people, and I'm like, well, it's not because no one's purchased. So uh, 
you know, um, I don't know. You got a load of ad impressions and highly like the CT, CTR is massively low. So um, yeah, super, super uh, love hate relationship at the moment. I'm not fully in on CBO on any ad account. So I use a combination of uh, ABO like um, single ad set budgets and CBO. Um, but yeah, I've seen some ad accounts and privy to some, and I've seen people do really, really well on retargeting. Um, that seems to be quite well on like using dynamic ads and CBO. Yeah. But um, I, I still haven't found like, I've done lots of methods and I follow Tim's methods and uh, the sniper method and uh, the slider method. I'm following them all, but I've I think haven't seen the slider one yet. I'm waiting. I gotta, I'm, ex I'm experienced with it, but I'm waiting for Tim to drop the video so everyone can. Awesome. Have the knowledge and skill set of the slider. I think it's coming out in like a week or two weeks. I think he said he's in dropping platinum, but it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. The sniper. But yeah, um, I think it really a lot of it will come down to whether it's right for that product. But I don't know. Mm -hmm. I think we'll all have it off in Q4 for obviously CBO. I think it'll just work. Sure. Um, I think right now, I think a lot of marketers are feeling the impact of people being away. Then the buying attempts definitely changed because I'm seeing across yeah. multiple ad accounts. I don't think that's like any sort of unstability in Facebook. I just think it's just people aren't. Time is, it's the time of season. I mean, school yeah. is out. like for here, school is out. People have been traveling, they're on vacation, they're camping. Uh, yeah. A lot of our e commerce accounts, which, you know, one being a jewelry company, another one being a homeware company, all have seen uh, a ding to it. Um, you know, and we've narrowed it down to like add to carts are still in line. All the metrics still line up. CTRs are good. It's just people aren't buying right now. You know, yeah. and I think that that's a reflection of where the brand is genuinely as well. It's something I've noticed. Like if a brand's got a lot of diversification in multiple traffic sources, I want to do an influencer uh, marketing, then Facebook just seems to have it off. It just works a lot better. But if you're yeah. dominantly running Facebook as a main media traffic source, then you're going to feel that just as much. Yep. Sean Brown is in the house. Sean Brown is, if you're not familiar with him, the founder with Tim Bird of all of these groups. Yep, yep. Um, he he funds, funds e-commerce companies. So if you're looking to fund, uh, check him out. He does uh, cash injections into companies that are proven. Uh, GoVC, govc.com, uh, hit him up. He will uh, blow up your business like you'll never believe. Uh, okay, look, sorry about that. I've seen him. I always got to give him a shout. Uh, so, yeah, tell us a little bit about, see, like, uh, you're not you're having some luck, low hate relationship with CBO. What is the best way? A lot of people have trouble, and this has always been um, issues with scaling. Um, how are you going about scaling your your campaigns um once you find a winner so i'm a big fan of um shotgun and surf um okay worked massively for me during q4 saw a really good return on that sort of around march time uh it sort of dipped for me and i wasn't able to do that and i sort of had to scale back but um i i, I like vertical and horizontal scaling um and pulling out ad sets even into their own separate campaigns and then changing the bid across the range or having multiple uh, versions of the ad set i, I like that kind of mm -hmm. method of scaling it just gives you those different pockets of audiences so um yeah predominantly i i, I do follow the pesh is a big guy that uh, i i um has been impactful for me i've done went through his training i was a, an alpha tester on his course and that taught me to be a lot more analytical 
Um, but yeah, um, I've noticed recently that simplification seems to work a lot better with Facebook, but it does make it harder to have more ad sets. So, um, okay. yeah, um, it's, it's very volatile out there right now. I'm not going to say that I am scaling because I'm, I'm not like I, I'm def definitely just looking for stability across the board. But when, when I do like, yeah, yeah. So when I'm like my to go to sort of toolkits are generally like Tim's methods or doing like a vertical and horizontal scale. Um, I've been testing a lot recently as well. Um, sort of diversifying personas. So you're not, you've got one marketing message and that to, um, pregnant mums to be, for instance, and then you might have a, a different message is that, uh, women that are looking to lose weight. Do you know what I mean? But the product exactly the same thing, but, uh, the, the the upfront marketing is different and where they're getting sent to is different so that's another yeah. good way of scaling is just like diversifying your actual marketing yep i would 100 percent agree um shotgun and surf though like can, can you explain some people probably in here are familiar with it some are not do you find uh i haven't done a lot of shotgun and surfing really i kind of try to go for more like a long-term attribution more stable yeah. Um, just cause clients like that. Can you explain kind of how, how that works? And also, I mean, have you ever noticed, cause I'm really big and I know some people do it. Some people don't. Um, I try to never, ever trigger a reset. Once I have a winning ad set, um, I don't want to re reset that learning mode. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Like when you start implementing that into um, it will, it will always come down to how quickly customers convert on your product. Yeah. Um, during Q4, like I was, I was like doubling the budget for if it, if we had enough purchases in by seven in the morning, double it, then the same at twelve, then the same at five. And so like, um, how many yeah. purchases by seven do you usually go? Um, no, seven with like a row as of like above four, for instance. Okay. And then uh, it would start as as it would get through the day. The ROS could be lower, but um, mm -hmm. there still be a purchase requirement. A big fan of using Reveal. Um, I love automating processes as much as possible. For sure. So then I can just work on strategy, getting more ad ad content done. Um, yeah, I don't want to be living in an anxious state, always refreshing that ads manager. We all do it. Like, <laughs> let's be honest, you know. But uh, it's nice when you can just let a tool like a Reveal. Um, or alternatives, uh, yeah, do do some of that work for you. But yeah, during, I, I, you know, I'm keeping my fingers crossed and being optimistic for Q4. I think we'll definitely see like the return of like shotgun and surf working really well. So um, yeah, um, that, that's definitely my sort of to go to for scaling generally. Okay. Yeah, Jeff Sawyer Lee said that you are the real deal. He says he's there's a lot of big gurus out there, but he's worked with you and that you are the real deal. And most of these interviews, guys, that we do, we don't just interview any Tom, Dick, and Harry. I mean, we know that they're proven marketers um, that we have vented, um, that come highly recommended, that have been in these groups for a long time. So um, we don't we don't push bullshit, that's for sure. Yeah. Jeff's a good guy. Uh, Jeff's a good guy. He's who I partnered with. I'm a shareholder in his company. And uh, we're, we're building... We're building a, a Titan. 
if you guys have questions too, make sure you drop them in uh, the comments. If you have questions for Rampage, and we'll try to get to those as we go throughout. Um, what do you think? Uh, are you using primarily Shopify mostly for most of your stuff? Yeah, um, I have used um, various platforms. It's generally quite a go-to because of just the integrations. Um, mm -hmm. We might see a migration away from that. I think there's always a danger when um, there's a, a commodity where someone owns the lion's share. And I think Shopify are definitely steering towards that. Um, you know, just shutting down shops left, right, and center. Um, and I think that we might see like a, an influx towards WordPress at some point. And there seems to be a lot more control, especially over like the checkout flow. Um, and it's just, uh, yeah, it just, Shopify is generally our go to, uh, if I'm honest with you. But um, I think we might see a flux. And I, I have worked on WordPress, Magento, um, custom big build. Commerce. Uh, not big commerce, no. No, I've done custom build, really. They, uh, devs built the whole platform from beginning to, to end. Gotcha. Yeah, Shopify is awesome, but it sucks because of like page like page speed uh, and all of these callouts that all of these apps do. If they could fix that and basically fix their URL structure, like if you could have full control of the URL structure, Shopify would be untouchable. What's quite interesting about them is like, you know, Facebook are very clever with their open source API and they just go, hey, yeah, come on, do what you want. And then what we do is we take the best bits and then we do it. And I just don't mm -hmm. know. Shopify haven't gone, yeah, we're going to do post-purchase upsells or, yeah, we're going to do that as well. It's probably in the pipeline. I, I have heard rumors that it is. But, Fourth uh, quarter, I've heard they're, like, releasing uh, – one of my buddies is, like, really in with, like, top tier in Shopify, and supposedly their fourth quarter are going to be releasing, like, some huge rollouts, one of which is rumored that you'll have full control of all that URL structure. So, like, the SEO benefit will be fully up to par – um, obviously, they have their new 3PL that they're rolling out, but there's also some other big things uh, that I was sworn to secrecy on <laughs> that are supposed to be hit in fourth quarter that will definitely make it probably a game changer for okay. sure. And I think they kind of feel the sweat and they know because, you know, the bigger that those are the biggest complaints with Shopify is controlling the checkout, page speed. You can't modify anything like, you know, these apps do all of these, it just kills your, kills your site. It kills your conversion rate. So yeah, yeah. It'll be interesting to see what they do um, for sure. Cause I mean, it's not really a big brand equivalent. Like we uh, just was working on something for uh, a huge brand, hundred, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars and they want to go to big commerce, but they don't have the dev team to handle something like that because it's a startup brand for them. And then you, you know, want to push them to Shopify, but you hate to push a huge brand that has the possibility to scale something so quick to such a limited platform in terms of things that are just outside of your control. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do for sure. Yeah, hundred percent. Because there, there is like there is big brands like Jim Sharker on um, Jim Sharker on Shopify. Um, there's big brands on there, but like the whole site is great. But then you just get to that stereotypical Shopify checkout, and you're like, huh. <laughs> I think state is it Staples or Office Max actually just went to Shopify. I really, yeah, and I don't know what they do in terms of revenue, but they're pretty big as well. So, um, yeah, okay. Uh, tell us a little bit about like what what are most marketers? So like you're in the Platinum Group, you obviously know there's a lot of high level skill set people in there. I mean, I'm I'm still learning things every day. 
Um, what are some of the people in your opinion that are next level? What are they not doing or implementing that is affecting their not only ability to scale, but their return on their ad spend? Like what, what are some things that those people can really, really focus on that you feel like most advanced marketers neglect? I guess really for me, like genuinely when there's either like flash in the pans or they'll like, they'll, it's the product fit. It's that, it's that's that burn and churn. So they're, they're, they're finding items. It's, it's that kind of drop ship mentality, you know, and then they might be running their business like that. And they're not building a brand, building out personas and focusing on the long run. That's why I sort of see most people sort of come down. But, um, I think I'm putting some more context to the question to sort of answer it, if I'm honest with you. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's a definitely brain scratcher. So if I was to ask you, like, what do you think that you, like, I know what I lack on on some things, but what do you think that you right now, you could say in your mind, like, ah, fuck, I suck at that. Like, I know I don't do a good job with that. I I might, yeah, mind. Um, So looking at what the, like the, the businesses that I'm working at, like, I can see holes that need plugging. We need to like additional traffic sources. You need to work on authority, um, press, I, I, full, full circumference. So like looking at a business holistically, if you're, you know, there is a danger of just solely running a business on Facebook traffic and seeing those pigs and troughs. And uh, so, yeah, that's why I'm diversifying, looking to get into influencer marketing myself, just to have so, some uh, continued flow of traffic. Um, mm -hmm. I, I would say a good habit to do in, and it's something that I definitely do is um, we all experience it when we're having like a bad day on Facebook like it's like, oh we get really down but what you need to be doing really is like okay what can I do outside of Facebook what can I do to challenge this because mm -hmm. it's only there that you need to put your focus because you can't you know yeah you can control an ad you control potentially how engaging it is how people are clicking through there is that other side of it is okay how good is your landing page converting what's your conversion rate how i know what's your bounce rate what, what you know is your is there synergy between your ads and pick where people are going so there, yep. there's a, there's those variables you can you can sort of manage uh, but outside of that you definitely need to look if you're wanting to grow an e-commerce brand long term definitely like influencer marketing we've done uh, really well with a uh, um Sir. Well, um, well, no, I was just about to say um, in, in France, uh, the business that um, I'm a shareholder in, we've done really, really well working with a guy called Ferez, awesome marketeer. He's done brilliant with us for influencer marketing, but we didn't have that. It would be such an uphill battle. And um, it, it, when you nail that, and I, if you can get that influencer uh, strategy right, but take look at it from a direct response, like performance marketers perspective like how we all look at facebook and start briefing in influences to actually make sure you're getting clicks then um that that's where you'll, you'll have that upper hand you'll just do so well mm -hmm. yeah do you so you are you trying to learn like uh ppc at all like search being no, um, there's not really a, a requirement for me to do that um the businesses generally that i work for have that um i have an understanding of it but um and I didn't do it in my previous job as a marketing manager at the record label. Um, I did like YouTube ads in roll ads and display. But um, 
no one was really ever going to be if you keyword search the record label like it was top ranking yeah time just because of the brand and how established it was um i i guess really I, I could learn pbc but um i i really love like learning about cro at the moment i, I love all that sort of stuff and mm -hmm. i just got into um installing google optimize and certain pages and i want to do split tests and i love that stuff stuff that i can control do you know what i mean that stuff well, I, well i know you use because i know you helped me install like way back when when i had some problems with uh vwo right yep. you're using vwo I was, yeah, but um, I find the pricing model is ridiculous, <laughs> so I'm, I kind of moved away from it. But um, Google Optimize is is just as good. Uh, you can do um, a lot, um, like VWO it is. is it has is easy to like change because I've used VWO, but I've never I've installed Optimize. I've never fully like fledged out, gone and learned it because I've always used VWO. Once you get like once you get the dev to put the code in and yeah, it, it give you that green tick like yeah it's, it's really easy to change yeah you could do uh, a and b test multivariant test and then spit test which is just yeah. like changing so the domain and forwarding it to another right. url most of the time i just call vwo and i like get on the screen share with them have you done that and then they just do it yeah. for you instead of yeah. the service is awesome the platform the, yeah. the tool and the software is really good I just find that it's super expensive it it's is so expensive and they're like oh we've got uh, we've got the heat maps and video recordings and I'm like, yeah, so it's Hotjar and that's like massively cheaper. So, uh, yeah, yeah you know, there is, um, I think if you wanted an all-in-one platform and uh, you work for a company that can afford that, that's great. Um, yep. I think there's definitely off-the-shelf tools like mm -hmm. using Google Optimize uh, paired with Hotjar, just as good. Yep, yep. I use, uh, have you ever checked out Mouseflow? I haven't, no. I'm way better than Hotjar. Okay light years right as well yeah like with hot jar i've always had the problem you have to cons i think you can pay for a plan but you have to like constantly refresh your user visits do you have that issue no i'm not seeing that really okay you must be on a different plan but uh, check out mouseful it's a lot better <laughs> uh okay often. yeah it's uh i think it's more cheaper like it's different on how you pay so you kind of get more for it but then you can also like just set different things up within there like to see better points of like drop-offs in your funnels uh that i've found to be really really helpful problem with all that stuff is it slows down your site so much that's the problem yeah yeah and i think that's one of the predicaments of working with shopify as a platform where you have to put that uh javascript across site-wide so it yeah. ends up slowing down so um it's a shame there isn't uh, the ability to just have that separately but obviously because we're working from an e-commerce perspective, yeah, you could have it just on the one page, but then you lose them after they perform a click. Do you know right. what I mean? Uh, yeah, it's yeah. Uh, frustrating. I've been, um, I'm working with a coaching client at the moment within the nutrition space, but we've actually managed to get Optimize on there and Hotjar. Um, we're not using many plugins. Um, we have, they have a dev that can do a lot of builds, like countdown timers and mm -hmm. do that ourselves, which is pretty cool when you get into a position where you work with a client like that. Um, yeah. But yeah, their site speeds, uh, the, the loading time on that is super quick. So it can be done, but I think you just need to have the dev capabilities to make yeah, that happen. Yeah, for sure. Uh, there's a question in here about uh, can you spell out that hot jar competitor? Uh, it's Mouseflow, M O U S E F L O W dot com. It's not in the app store. You just drop a piece of code on all pages. It's really, really easy. 
Um, I don't know who that guy is. <laughs> uh, um, and then there's a question here from Dave Mitchell about the shotgun method. Uh, is it only for top of funnel campaigns or are you using it for BOF? Uh, yeah, I, I genuinely just normally let uh, bottom of funnel run pretty much evergreen. And uh, I might run rules that look at it throughout the day. And like if it's got like no add to car at a certain time, just pause it out because it just isn't generally going to work. But yeah. I'm not really resting around much with bottom of funnel. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely top of funnel activity for me personally. Have you uh, have you tried like with your bottom of funnel campaigns? Have you ever tried optimizing for different events, like optimizing for view content or add to cart or initiate checkout versus purchase? Yeah, so I normally do like a conversion campaign and change the delivery to like landing page views. Um, but I normally run that in sync, and I might. I've actually been doing um, a lot more uh, utilizing the split test function in Facebook a lot lately, which um, is not something I normally would do. Um, uh, Maxwell Finn's a bit of advocate of that, and it's got me thinking. Like, yeah, I should be testing this, and like, so I would maybe um, rather than putting a new ad into an existing in the campaign, I might just do a uh, split test on it, and then have this ad running in conjunction. And it literally is the one true split test, right? So it literally split that traffic down the middle. One pool, mm -hmm. one ad, and the other pool was another. So you're not. You're not getting like a skew on performance so um yeah i, I quite enjoy doing that recently but yeah um to answer your question yeah uh, absolutely i will test uh landing page views but i'll do it in a i'll set up as a conversion campaign first optimize the purchase but then change the delivery to how does that affect your roas uh if you go from like a optimized for purchase on a conversions campaign and then optimize for landing page views unlike your cream of the crop out to 30 day view and 30 day retargeting do you see an increase in your cpa um well I've, I've, i'm doing it as, as a, a straight spit test but sometimes i'll just have it running in a synergy with like a purchase based conversion campaign um obviously there's going to be overlap there but um i i I've, you'll find as well because facebook if you've got a conversion based campaign um it's always just going to deliver to the people that it knows their purchases and yeah. so bit campaign will just keep getting them coming them back to the website and um, i might even just have it not like on big spend like it might even just be 20 30 dollars a day but it'll just run in sync with an actual conversion purchase campaign as well hmm. Interesting. I did recently where um i did a uh stories uh ad and i actually did um it's a pretty good tip actually um uh, i'll credit Andrew Foxwell for this because I heard it on his podcast. Um, you do a story, and I did literally a boomerang, and it was like a, pro uh, a product, sort of like an a box open opening, or just someone wiggling the product around or whatever. And I did a poll, and I said, uh, "Have you purchased blah blah blah? Uh, yes or no?" But in in no, I put no use a promo code today, um, and uh, delivered that. I know I did a spit test on that for purchases versus landing page views and landing page views outdid the conversion purchase campaign huh interesting i've never even you know like if i can't get my 14 day like the way that we'll break out our bottom of funnel is like one day add a cart one day view two to three add a day add a cart two three day view four to seven eight 14 15 to 21 and then 21 to 28 and usually i'll see like pretty 
significant CPA drop offs at like the depending on the product and like the time to purchase, like the four to seven or the eight to 14. And a lot of the times we end up shutting off like eight to 30 day retargeting because we just can't get our CPAs in line where they need to be. So I, I'll have to try the uh, landing page thing. Yeah. Well, uh, on as well um, with, with retargeting, there's um, a lot of people who are actually, um, they'll actually uh, separate quite like rapidly out and and that's great when you've got a lot of traffic but yeah. you can actually be detrimental if you're not getting right. enough, enough purchases through so sure. um, I, I'll, I'll do one day three days seven days fourteen days one day but i'll also just do straight day and just have a ton of ad creative and then it rotate through i um on the latter will um only be say if they're not getting many traffic visits do you know what i mean right. or in, uh, the independently just focus on Facebook as a traffic source and um, you're not getting, you know, and you're not actually getting a lot of traffic on through. Uh, a couple of good questions here. I actually like, uh, have you noticed a big difference in the ad performance on Facebook in the last six to 12 months versus now? Yeah. Um, I think everyone would say that, you know, from month yeah. to month, we see yeah, a flux in ad performance. Uh, mm -hmm. Have you tried the Power Five? No, not yet. No, read about it, but uh, not not tried it yet. Uh, um, I don't actually work with any clients that have multi SKUs in um, their product range at the moment. I've got a lot of single single uh, product clients, or they do like a, a coaching service. So yeah, I'd, I'd love to work with a, a multi product SKU to better execute Power Five. Uh, da, 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 da. James Donner, we went over that. <laughs> uh, James Donner runs a uh, agency. He is a massive spender. Works with some massive brands. Probably wearing and carrying around. Um, good guy. Very well knowledgeable at Facebook. Uh, hey Ray, how do you account for delayed attribution? So, Facebook obviously has last click. Uh, delayed attribution how are you dealing with that when it's not especially when you're doing all of these you know really stringent like broken out retargeting campaigns and obviously for people that don't know uh, let me kind of explain this if you get somebody that comes to your campaign from a cold campaign and they click it uh, two days later you retarget them and then they purchase that purchase goes to the date of the actual impression on your last campaign so even though they came into your funnel from your cold campaign the purchase is actually going to show up on the retargeting campaign. So as you're scaling and spending more, how do you get around that or how do you deal with that? There's always been a Achilles heel with Facebook advertising because you never know. Like I used to work for a mattress client in the UK, one of, the, one of those ones, uh, mattress in a box. And so I used to work on um, driving a lot of, I would always be looking at because it's a very delayed purchase it would take a long time for someone to convert so what i they had lots of money like good budgets so mm -hmm. um i'm down to is just like okay what um if i just make sure that i'm getting a lot of traffic through i know that it would convert when i was optimizing for purchase it would convert at like within that period so what you can do on purely on cold is to look open up your um the settings and then scroll down and then open up and you have a one day click, seven day click, and then your 28 day click, and then measure your uplift between each period. 
and I do that for some clients if they're not if the product doesn't convert within um, like the same day or within mm -hmm. two days, and then you'll see your lift. And then what you'll then be able to do is look at also look at your add to cart cost, and then you can see what the add to cart cost one day, seven day, twenty eight days, and then you can go work out okay, well by one day and in twenty eight day it goes down by this amount, and then you can work out. So you don't necessarily know you have to kill so early. Um, a lot of the clients that I work with now, I'm actually, I do, this, I'm literally buying traffic every day. I'm not looking at a, like a seven day window because they'll generally convert very quickly or retargeting will pick them up within that seven day period. But um, that's how I sort of look at delayed attribution. Um, we've actually been looking at um, a tool recently, Final analytics i i think it's called um because when you start moving into influencer marketing marketing facebook will start saying yeah you're robbing all the attribution and being like yeah all, like all retargeting is doing really really well but in reality all it's done is shown them an ad so um yeah we're, we're looking at uh other attribution models because when you start looking at if you're running snapchat in synergy with facebook and then you're doing ppc and then you've got influencer marketing it can get very confusing of what is that key touch point and who what has actually been the path to purchase so, so you use uh, analytics as attribution at all they're built in i do but like it's hard to tell like from like your top of funnel and and if you're running multiple top of funnel campaigns you have um, to have your sources built out like perfectly and tagged everything with utm parameters yeah yeah i've been using a dynamic sourcing quite uh, a lot recently and trying to get into a habit of just having that there at all times and yep. then um using your uh your name conventions within your campaign ad set and and ad, ad levels um yep. that's that's pretty cool but um yeah delayed attribution is always going to be a bit of a pain but you can check your uplift at top of funnel um yep. is a big advocate of um depending on how quickly the average person takes the purchase um, the patient actually excludes one day uh, from his retargeting. So then it gives that uh, attribution back to top of funnel. And that's something um, I, I tested out quite aggressively when I had a lot of traffic going through. And that, and that works quite well because you want, ideally, you actually do want your cold campaigns to be winning the attribution because it gives it more data to, to optimize and find those people so um that's another little tip um if you've got quite a bit of traffic maybe try excluding one day site visitors from your retargeting so that the retargeting doesn't claim the attribution um and and but if they providing they convert within like a 24-hour period that works mm -hmm. quite well mm -hmm. yeah uh i think delayed attribution is like the biggest problem with marketing in general people scaling like i i've had brands that actually just can't because you know the facebook pixels only like some days seems to be 80 75 percent accurate anyway and then you throw delayed attribution on top of it and i've actually lost clients over it because they can't just wrap their head around google analytics not matching facebook revenue you know <laughs> first click versus last click yeah it's like oh you've, you've disappeared justin your voice um your audio has gone can't hear you No, I can't hear you, I'm afraid. You know, I don't know if you can hear me. Give me a thumbs up if you can hear me. I, I can't hear you. Can anyone else hear me in the group? 
Yeah, I've lost you. How annoying. Trying to see if I can see in the group and ask any questions uh, that may be getting asked. Why uh, Justin's going off. Yeah, I've lost you, Justin, I'm afraid. No. Should we d disconnect and reconnect? I don't, I don't know what you, you do in this case. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know sign language. <laughs> okay, just right, live again. Yeah, my my AirPods definitely did not die. Uh, I don't know. I have this stupid mic, this blue mic, and I think it's something with the software we use. It just like kind of quits because I could hear you fine so and actually on my computer I could see my microphone picking up the volume but yeah, yeah. it's interesting because uh Gil uh David said in the, in, in the chat he said you can't hear you but you could hear me so uh yeah yeah I don't know it's I think it's the software we use I probably need to talk to Tim and we need to get something different because that's happened before too uh but we were talking about delayed attribution so I will um I'll probably merge these videos together for people and then post it in one spot. So for, for sure in the platinum and the gold group. Cool. Um, so we we're talking about delayed attribution. Um, I'm going to go plug my computer in upstairs too. I think personally that's like the biggest problem with scaling, like what we were talking about. Um, well, like I said, I lost clients over because they just cannot seem to comprehend things being scaling. I think the next biggest problem is um, – multi-channel attribution yeah i mean like if you're just running facebook as a sole driver for uh, for traffic then it isn't too bad because you can kind of take into account looking at the list um during those periods um from like one day seven day and uh, 28 day but um i think the real sort of pain when it uh, comes when you start looking at multi-channel attribution um, yep. I do get it, like when when um, compliance, like all well, Facebook analytics like this, but Facebook says that, and um, you just got to sort of educate them and tell them, and then let them understand that. Well, Google and um, want uh, Google reports on uh, like last click, yep. Facebook is, is on um, uh, first click. Well, click uh, last click within twenty eight days. So, yep. um, yeah, I genuinely. Yeah, so um, when I was working with a mattress client, for instance, um, I was looking at that, that uplift and then I would um, know that within a certain period that my, if my add to cost, um, if my cost per add to cost were at a certain range, then it would back out long term within that month. So yep. I would be like, 
not pausing so aggressively so early on. Because um, with the mattress climb, it wasn't solely about, I was, I was optimizing for purchase, but um, you wouldn't always get, even at like 4,000 pounds a day, you wouldn't um, even, you might not get like 10 conversions. You might only get three or four. Uh, but mm-hmm. the course of a month, it would back out and um, cold attribution would kick in. And so you'd win some um, conversions. But I would then, I would, I would buy in traffic and put you looking at, okay, what's that earliest uh, indicator, like an add to cart cost, and knowing that I'm getting a load of good quality traffic come through. Um, and that's a way that I would uh, optimize them kind of campaigns. Yeah. Oh, there was a lot of good questions. Hey, Preston, I probably should ask you if you can hear us, right? Um, pretty sure we can because I think we're good. But uh, he had a pretty good question. Uh, what is the craziest method that you've tried that's worked and it shouldn't have? I haven't really tried any crazy method that works. Normally, I find that there's a lot of like hype around methods, and then you try it and it worked for a little while and it burn out. Um, and as a marketer, I think the most important thing is is that stability. And I. I think, like for me, like shotgun and surf is pretty crazy. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you start with big budgets, and uh, you just crank that up when 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 the sales coming through. Uh, that's like, it's like crazy goods. <laughs> when it works, it works. Yeah. Um, you know, I've done the the dollar, you know, hundred ad sets and one dollar bid, and uh, you know, daily budgets, and I've done all that sort of stuff. And uh, I find most things sort of just burn out really quickly um might work for a little while and uh, if you want those peaks and troughs and just turning stuff off then yeah absolutely like them kind of methods work but again maybe it's just i haven't tested it on the right product um you know um there's some people that get get away with doing that on i assume it's on like consumables and really sort of tangible products they're doing it on and that's why they're getting that uh that to work but that, that to me that like that that method there where you just like you've got a hundred ad sets all at one one dollar a day uh, budgets uh, that should just not work but some people do get it to work I, i've never really sort of like questioned okay well what is it that you're getting it to work on and i think the mm-hmm. only thing to work on is um it's like a very low barrier to entry uh, price point um product that people just impulsively buy because um, yeah. if you've got a bit of if there's a bit of doubt behind that product um i don't think that you're going to sort of get that to scale right i, I tried it on a product that was like 85 dollars and uh it worked for a day or two and then it just didn't back out and just yeah so yeah for me it's probably not so much on something specific but more like a brand specifically that i worked with in the past um the owner is just non-responsive non-existent basically and the business just thrives and grows even though they do zero marketing um just drives me drives me nuts yeah. like there's it's like people that have businesses that thrive and successful but literally are probably like the worst business person i've ever seen in my life that deserve to work at like a mcdonald's and they're doing multi-millions <laughs> it's just like they don't run ads they it's just crazy to me but but good for them they must be uh just a traditional, it's like something traditional that they should be doing. Facebook ads, Instagram posts, and all that stuff, and they're just they're just crushing it. Like they found that specific niche, um, but that's not really ad related. 
There were some good questions in the other group I was going to try and pull. Uh, here's one. Is it early to kill an ad set that's been running for a couple hours but has a CPC of $3.15 and a CPM of nearly $30? Uh, I guess the context of the question would be good. Um, if it was an ad account that I had loads of data on and I knew my history on it, then I probably would kill it myself. But I've been a bit more lax uh, recently with... Um, pausing stuff out i found that um especially now during the summer period you need to let stuff go for a bit longer yeah and i used to pause out after a certain amount i'd say like two times ideal cpa in my pause out but i've actually found that i was just like not getting any delivery and so i was just like you know what? i'm just going to leave things until after lunch and then i'm finding that it's a lot of ad sets that were looking like they were going to tank throughout the day come back so yep. uh, yeah, I guess it's really got to look at it. I like how much history do you have in that ad account? Can you make that call that early? Um, and if you're testing, then um, if it's like a fresh new ad account, then probably look at stuff like CTR and see how, how good or bad that is. And if it's low, yep. then it's probably it's probably a good indicator to call it. But you might need, um, I found that right now you do generally need to give um adds a bit more budget like they need to not they almost need to make mistakes to, to be able to optimize right and i think you can sort of put a foot on that too soon i've definitely learned that um even knowing my metrics as i said earlier like i was actually pausing stuff out because it just weren't where, I was, where it was and i'm just like i'm just gonna leave it i'm not even gonna have rules on it like i actually so i use naming conventions to run rules and i put a rule in uh, a naming convention there to stop rules running on the on the ads within an ad set and to just like go off and do something else and stop looking at ads manager because you can just impulsively turn stuff off. so um yeah if, if you've got data in it then might, it might be the right decision but just give if you can afford to let it go a bit longer like just, just let it go a bit longer and checking in depends on how much daily budget you've yeah. got for the day but you might need to give it a bit more time just to make some make some mistakes um sometimes I do this little like nudge to uh, Pesh, it's someone that uh, uh, actually taught me it. And um, what you can actually do is like nudge the budget down on an ad set, like a dollar or like 1%. And it's giving the feedback, hey, this is pretty good. Like, if you uh, actually do your job, sometimes you work, sometimes you don't. But maybe try that out. And um, rather than putting the budget and sort of nudges um, the algorithm to go in the direction you want to go in. Yep. Okay. Well, I have to jump on uh, another call, and I only like to typically do these for an hour. So, tell us how um, how can people like best get in contact with you if they have questions or they want to inquire about working with you? Because I know you freelance. Yeah, um, I'm pretty much just reachable predominantly on my own personal Facebook page. Uh, I don't have a website. I'm sort of like a bit anomaly, sort of like just a lone right line. Lone Wolf and just can contact me on Facebook on my, on my private Facebook page. Um, and I'm in, I'm in ad leaks. I'm not in ad buyers as much as I was, but I'm um, big fan of that group. It's how I'm able to be here. So um, um, if I don't think anybody in ad leaks or ad leaks gold or platinum is probably hangs out on Facebook ad buyers anymore, really, to be honest with you. If you're a serious marketer, then you're in ad leaks. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Have you done a? Have you done a? By the way, have you ever done a Depesh mastermind or a Timber mastermind? I was actually very fortunate to. Um, I think through uh, 
the gift of giving. So um, I was very. Oh, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah. I won. I won the competition back in October last year. Uh, yeah. Go to Tim's and Depeche's mastermind. Um, I, I, I had done Depeche's training, so a lot of it was teaching me what I already knew. It was amazing, to obviously, to meet up with him and see him. But um, I definitely learned some nuggets from Tim. Um, you know, if you, um, if you've got two choices, really, you can buy a lot of his content separately. Uh, it's generally split out across a lot of like different platforms. Uh, but if you want to get like really in there and uh, get him to look at your landing pages, give you really insightful information, go to a mastermind makes perfect sense. Yep. I mean, I 100% agree. I went to one last year before I started getting involved in helping run the whole ad leaks um, empire. And that was the first time I met Tim. Uh, and it, just from even like, uh, there was, you know, I, I knew a lot of it, um, but I did learn like some nuggets and stuff. But the biggest thing for me was just social networking. What I got out of it from like the social networking. Um, the, the guys that I met at a group, I mean, I talk to them all the time. We always ring each other up and it's amazing. I think that's what I love about this. It's yep. kind of like just this intergroup of people that we're all like-minded we're all trying to just do as best as we can and buy ads for people. And yep. uh, it's lovely. Like it's, it's a family. family. Basically it's a small family. It's awesome being able to ring someone up and go, I'm having such a shit day. I don't know what I'm doing with ads or, yep. you know, and then all, you know, similarly, cause it's not all, it's not all like gravy. It's not all good all the time. Do you know what I mean? And it's nice yep. being able to ring people up and just get a second opinion. And that's what sure. I like about mastermind. When you meet people, get those connections, you come away with that and you get friends for life. Yeah, I mean, we had people for the meetup last weekend at uh, Sean's house, Sean Brown, who I mentioned earlier with govc.com. He uh, lives in this beautiful, you know, 10, 15, 20 dollar mansion or whatever. I mean, he had everybody over into his home. There was like probably 60 to 100 people. There was people that flew in from like seven hours away just to come to have for a four hour meetup. So it's almost like you become this tight niche community, this tight niche family uh, that is there for one another, basically. I mean, yeah. you know, so yeah, well, I appreciate the time. Uh, if you have questions, uh, feel free to reach out to Rampage, probably Rampage if you want to just go through both videos, yep. um, just for any questions, uh, hit up any people. Um, and then I will get this merged into one and get it up on the ad leaks podcast and get it over to the golden platinum groups. Um, so I appreciate everyone's time. Sorry for the audio trouble. Uh, sometimes it's out of my control. So awesome. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah. It was nice meeting you, man. Thanks for the time. Uh, you too, Justin. All right, thanks, brother. Bye. Bye.